Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back. FixTheNation.com. One more time. Thanks for returning. This is John A. Jensen. Oh, in case you haven't done this before, um, solutions-based, talking politics for about the last five years. You can reach me at FixNation.com, the website, um, various books across Amazon.com, of FixNation.com, One Grand Bargain, Why Go Conservative, um, at FixNation, if you want to go to the Twitter feed and reach me there. Um, that being said, today, let's talk about some appointments that uh, President-elect Donald Trump has uh, put forth and other people he's talking to, because I think it it starts speaking to how he wants to approach his four years. I think it's a great way of uh, getting a snapshot into our future, if you will. So let's, let's just jump right into it. Some of his recent appointments, um, labor was Puzder, um, small business was McMahon, EPA Pruitt. Now, stop there just for a second. And let's discuss a couple of those. He puts someone out for Department of Labor that's vehemently against the overwhelming rise or hike in the minimum wage. So on the surface, you look at it and go, oh, he's anti-labor. Here's the problem. Take an artificial minimum wage and you shove it up when business can't afford it. Business is forced to consider other options, technology usually, okay, autonomy, reducing jobs. And you have to eliminate positions to find labor dollars to pay a higher wage for no reason short of to pay them a higher wage. The market didn't dictate that. There is no productivity coming from that. You just simply have to tighten your belt one more time for an artificial reason. Now, you can make the case, well, it's good for the people who get that higher minimum wage. You can make the case. You could also make the case that for the people who get that minimum wage, it's better, but the people who lose their jobs because of a forced issue, they're left paying the check or holding the bag and they become dependent on an environment where they can't get a job because there's fewer jobs to go around. So it's a little bit of a defeatist culture. I personally have articulated this before, and I say it again. We are at the highest level of immigration ever since the 1920s, foreign-born people in America. That being said, the floodgates being open for so long when our employment level, unemployment level was so high caused us, caused us to be higher longer as opposed to lower sooner regarding the unemployment state. It caused a devalue in the workforce because it gets diluted. There are too many bodies for too few jobs. 
the best thing you can do to increase labor wages is to dry up the labor pool because now people have to compete for talent. They have to compete for bodies. I can't pay you seven, I'll pay you nine. I can't pay you eight, I'll pay you 12. I can't pay you 12, I'll pay you 20. Whatever the number is, it doesn't matter. You get a raise because they need to fill the position because they have a need in business. That's a good demand. That's a good competition. As opposed to, here's money, same job, go find the money from your profit margin. Because some businesses will go out completely because their model becomes completely untenable. And if you can't handle that, there is no such thing as raising minimum wage artificially and helping labor. You're just putting people out of a job. In fact, possibly even putting the business owner out of a job. Redistribution, in this case, does not work. So let's change from labor specifically. Small business. Linick Mann, who was one of the founders of one of the wrestling entities, literally from day one all the way through to its billion-dollar Thing. I can make the case where she has a really grassroots knowledge of what it takes to build a small business. Like that pick a lot. Pruitt in the EPA. Very much a fan of fossil fuels, not EPA friendly on the face of it. Now again, these are some picks, both labor and EPA, that there will be a lot of pushback on this, a lot of pushbacks, probably bipartisan pushback. But we're going to get to the end game in just a second. I'm going to toss one more name in the, in the hopper. Right now, Rex Tillerson is the favorite for Secretary of State. Now, this is someone former of Exxon and world savvy, but he has ties in various countries that aren't necessarily the right side of the aisle, supposedly. Will that or won't that? There are a lot of people, again, both sides of the aisle. They're going to push back on that particular appointment. Now, I will go back to a very simple belief in my world. If you win the presidency and you're picking your cabinet, short of illegality, short of heresy, treason, I think you should get anybody you want in these appointments. On, and I would say that equally if it's a Democrat. You need to get people who you believe in because you cannot run an $18 trillion economy with millions of employees under you and be responsible to run the greatest superpower on the planet if you don't have a boatload of people under you that you know, believe in, trust, have working relations with, you need to really energize and empower these people to go do their jobs. Why would you stand in his way? Because you don't like the appointment? I'm not sure that's enough. What critically are these people, short of you don't like their philosophies, not enough, not nearly. And that's true both sides of the aisle. Demonstrate why they're a bad decision for America or shut up and vote yes. We're going to push forward to one more topic on this, and that's the end game of 2018. 
want you to think this one through for a second. Right now, we have a Republican president-elect, a Republican Senate, up to 52 now, and a Republican House by far. Fast forward two years. You're going to have another, another election. And of the 33 Senate slots that are up for re-election, 25 of those, I believe, are up for Democrats. Ten of those happen to be in Republican states, quote-unquote red states, quote-unquote Trump won those states. They need to tread very softly in this next two-year window. If they get mouthy, if they get loud, if they become obstructionist, if they start to prove that they are the reason, cannot move down his path on mainstream issues, they will not get reelected. Okay. Now, I'm going to segue to a different topic. There was an, an appointment earlier this week that I don't think got nearly enough attention. Rona Romney McDaniel was appointed head of the – or chosen – head of the RNC, Republican National Committee. Why is that important? Um, a multitude of, of issues. One is it's one more female in the mix in a high-profile position that once again sabotages the whole narrative about this war on women from the Trump, Trump angle. Completely false. I think he's up to five, six, or seven women uh, in, in trustworthy positions because of their own track record for what they've done well, because they're good at their craft. He doesn't pick people because they're men or women. He doesn't pick people because of the color of their skin or their etc. He picks people because they're good at what they do. And let me use Rona Romney McDaniel as an easy example. Two things that an RNC chair, or any chair, by the way, has to have in that kind of position. One, the administrative piece of it. You have to be a, you have to be a solid administrator. But number two in that particular position, you have to be able to raise money. I got a tip for you. She's the package. She's done it in Michigan a democratic state. She's done it really well. She's done it in adversity and literally been a part of the solution in handing a democrat state to Donald Trump. When did she do this? This last election when her uncle Mitt Romney was vocally against Trump. So let me get this right. Against family loyalty, she did her professional best. She delivered a state that hadn't been delivered in 40-something years. She didn't do it by herself. I'm not trying to make that case. But when you spearhead that kind of a win, when you do that kind of a job, when you can both raise money and be an administrator – of a big core state, and then you get a nod to go national, I got a tip for you. 
we're about to have a really good next two-year run into 2018, both in the raising money side of it and the administration part of it. I'm going to take a small step to the side just to give you some, some clarity. Reince Priebus, who had been RNC chair for, I want to say, like six years, eight years, whatever it was, I thought had a wonderful track record when he chose to step out and become chief of staff. I will say that. But he was never great at the fundraising side of it. He was a real solid administrator. That was his wheelhouse. That was his strength. And he was good at fundraising. He was not over the top. He was not someone who could get money to flow. That was not his strength. She's the package. I'm not saying she's better than he is because we're going to see where the outcome is. But she has both abilities where he did not have that. And that's an appointment this week that's critical to the future of where Trump wants to go. Because in two years, those senators that come up for re-election, instead of having 52 in a majority, if you can roll that number up to 60 – you pretty much can write any ticket you want to, and that's not a stretch. Right now, the Democrats are in complete disarray. The Democrats have no true leadership right now. They don't even have a platform that they can, they can articulate that resonates with the American people, including their own party, by the way. And they have to fend off the trifecta of a Trump Senate House, all being Republican, without being obstructionist to the point where they become the problem, not the solution. They, they have a very, very small window here of success. The burden is literally on those people up for re-election in 2018 to pick a side. Get in the game and get something done for America and be part of the solution. Or join Schumer and the obstructionists and pay the piper in two years. It would be very interesting to see which side they fall on, and especially the ones that are in the red states. Like if you're from somewhere like a California, a New York, you probably have a safer landing spot. Those are very liberal states. I should know it, live in one of them. But if you're one of those 10 Democratic senators and you either have – you come from a red state, period, or you come from now a red state because of Trump, your people are telling you something. And you need to really think this through strategically. It might be a good, quote-unquote, long-term game for the Democrats that you obstruct now. But short-term in two years, you're going to lose. You need to obstruct while framing it as it's best for your state. And that's a very, very tricky window. Watch Rona Romney McDaniel. Very understated appointment so far. I think you're going to like what you get. Let's talk about who he's talking to as well. Carly Fiorina was in recently. Of course, you know, the Mitt Romney has been getting a lot of attention. 
Um, he talks to private people. He brings in people that are Democrats. Um, I think there's absolutely an opportunity if Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota doesn't get offered a slot, I'd be more than surprised. And there's a couple things about that pick. One, she's a very solid professional. So I think she's going to do what's right by America in doing her job. I don't care that she's Democrat. I care she does her job well for America. Number two, if she were to be offered it, if she were to accept, I don't think she would, by the way, for defensive reasons, it would open up a Senate seat, again, in North Dakota, which is governed by a Republican. So the odds are the replacement pick to fill her seat would be Republican, not Democrat. And the, Demo- the Republicans go to 53, and the Democrats would, would lose a seat. So my guess is the hierarchy, the Schumers of this world, would talk to a Heidi Heitkamp and talk her out of an acceptance for that. And if you're her, you've got to make a decision. What is your future? What does she want to do? Does she want to go into a national position? Does she want to make a run as a president or a VP? Does she want to have a position in the next Democratic administration? Um, what, what, what's on her agenda? Is she up for re-election in two years, and therefore, because she's at risk anyway, why not go now? There are a lot of ways to play this. If you're Trump, do you offer her a job and put her in that position for a strategic reason? And again, I'm going to jump back to something because I think it's critical, and no one has brought this up. I want you to go back in your mind's eye four years ago, prior to the election or even the choice of Romney as the Republican nominee. You do remember what Trump did, right? Every single person who was up for that slot visited Trump Tower and had a meeting with, quote-unquote, the king. Do you remember that? See, no one talks about that right now. Think about those moments and how those conversations played out and how that tailored him two and a half years later into how he would craft his own campaign, how he would make his own choices. What did he learn and glean from those people? Think about what a strategic play that was by him. You don't think he's having conversations right now that's planning in two years when someone wants to step off a cabinet position, who that next in is, he's putting his bench strength together already. He deals with China now in a soundbite to set the table for a stance in a negotiation down the road, or trade deals, or Mexico. All this. He is an extremely long-term and short-term strategic thinker. He sets the table years ahead of time on how he goes and achieves some of his successes. Critical that we understand that about our president-elect. I wouldn't say brilliant, 
but I'd say extremely savvy. Let's talk about how he handles some of these topics. China, easy example. So in the last year, China has been finishing or extending out its artificial man-made island military might in the South China Sea. It's been condemned by the Hague, the international body, and been ignored by China. So against all international pressures, China just says, we're going to do what we want. Yuan has been manipulated by them. That's a statement. We pay about 24% of the World Bank's monies, whereas China pays about two and a half. Wrote wrote about that about back in 2012, four years ago, I guess. Here's my point. My point is there are a lot of things that China does they don't get held accountable for. And about a week and a half ago, what happens? Trump takes a phone call of congratulations on his election win. Who from? The democratically elected president of Taiwan. We call it Taiwan, but we can't formally call it Taiwan because Taiwan is considered part of the one China rule. China still thinks Taiwan is under their rule, whereas they aren't. So we are part contributing to this 1979 delusion that Carter started. That being said, here comes Trump. And what does he do? He appoints three generals. He's going to bring America back to being a strong country. He's going to revamp trade deals. He's called out China blatantly as being currency manipulators. He takes his phone call, and it rattles their cage to the point where they call President Obama. Of course, he promptly apologizes for us because that's what he does. I will be so glad, by the way, when we change the president and we can start healing from the wussification of America. I don't want us to be imperialist dogs of war, but I do want us to hold our own and act like the superpower we are, compassionately but effectively, that China chooses to dictate to us who we can and cannot take phone calls from, who what we can and cannot say, without being held accountable to their own very real-time actions in this world, is brutally unacceptable. They, China, need to think really hard about some of the ramifications. What would their people do if they started to lose manufacturing needs and therefore a billion people really struggled to pay the bills? What would their government do? You better keep the presses rolling if you're over there, because you can't, you can't, you can't squell that. You can't. And right now they have us on worldwide exports. They have us by about five hundred billion dollars every year. 
So when it comes to renegotiating some of the trade deals, they will be a net loser. And given the fact they already manipulate the one, good luck with that. So be very curious where President Trump takes that, that particular set of issues. Let's talk about uh, briefly the difference about what's being said, how it's being said, and what that means to America. Go back and think about how you feel about America in the last, oh, I know, six or eight years. Economy's kind of weak and limping along. You probably have a job, but maybe not the job you want. You know, you have a job, but you, you can't get a pay raise. Um, life is okay, but it's not grand or great. You can eat, but you can't really eat when and what you want because you can't afford that kind of stuff. You work on a budget because you wouldn't survive without it. I mean, I don't think it's the rock and roll heyday of a great economy. Usually when the economy is rocking on all cylinders, your wallet is a little fat, and you have that money to go play around with, and you could have some fun. And because your wallet's fat and your, your, your family's fed well, you know what happens? You feel good about life. You start walking with your chest puffed out a little bit. You know, you start talking up. You smile easier. You know, that, that burdensome load is easier because you aren't stressed about where the next meal comes from or if you can meet the mortgage payment. You don't wonder on your drive to work every single day do you lose your job. Every single day do you get downsized. Every single day, what happens if? Your kids graduate college. You know what's going to happen? They actually get a real job as opposed to live at home the next 10 years because they can't find a real job. So think about what's happened just since the election. There's a bounce in people's step. Economy has been not taking off. I'm not going to say that. But the stock market has been reacting extremely well. The Federal Open Market Committee will probably raise rates in the next couple of days, and it won't have any effect on the economy in the near term because we're ready for it. Come January 20th, Trump will get sworn in. They'll start doing things like repealing either Obamacare or brutal, you know, some burdensome regulations. They'll start negotiating some tax reform pieces. They'll start renegotiating some revamp on the trade deals. And we'll start to have an idea how this all plays out. And if we get what we think we're going to get, that's a really good time in America. If you lived in the 90s when the economy was really doing well or in the 80s when it was really doing well, those were enjoyable times. Here's the problem for millennials. You guys have never had that. Literally, you don't know what it means to be in a great economy. Where the, the, the ability to go get a job is easy. In your field, where you can get a raise because you're, you're worth it. I want you to think about that. Your self-worth is, is validated by the very raise you get. And God forbid they don't give you a nice raise. You know why? Because you'll look for another job, and you'll get it because it's there. So companies have to value you. They need to treat you well. That's important. And if you're on the minimum wage level, you should get that raise, not because the government says you need to pay more and artificially pushes it up and forces businesses into, into profitability 
you know, threatening stance, but because you're worth it, because you got a raise, because the market dictated, because you are you are absolutely worth that kind of a raise. And if you don't get the raise, you know what you'll do? You'll get a better job because it's out there for you. What if you're the military? And think about what Trump's going to do for you, as opposed to apologize and keep you on a short leash. He's going to make you one of the strongest militaries we've had, update your technology, fix your veteran affairs, give you leaders you can believe in, not bureaucrats, and have clarity of mission. That's a wonderful combination. If you're in the military right now, I can't imagine how you're not dancing a jig right now. And I'm not saying we should be going to war on the, on the, on the flip of a coin. But when we have need, resolve. End it. And if you're a threatening com- country, I think you need to think twice. When you deal with Obama, you get one thing. When you deal with Trump, I think you'll get a very different reaction. And I don't think we should be a, a nation of threat and war. But usually strength breeds peace. That being said, I am FixNation.com. Hope you've enjoyed today. Enjoy the rest of these cabinet appointments. I certainly am. He is definitely painting a picture of success is what he's looking for. I think he's clear to his agenda and what he's been preaching. I think so far he's been true to his world, his word. I will say this. For Supreme Court, I'd love to see him pick Diane Sykes, Seventh Circuit Court out of Wisconsin. Very, very solid pick on his list. I'd love to. I think that would be a great choice for him for multiple reasons. All right, so thank you very much. Retweet this out and share with your friends if you enjoyed it. God bless, and we'll talk soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.